0: I'm glad the Lord did come to us. No way in the world we could ever get to Him... But I'm glad he came to us. You know, there's some people say, I found God. Well, I want to tell you, if you found God, it's because God, first of all, found you. Amen. And I'm glad he is a God who always on the checkerboard of salvation, he always makes the first move. And I'm saved and you're saved because God moved in our direction. And I sure thank the Lord for that. Well, I'm glad you're here. Uh, thank you for coming out through the soggy elements of this Sunday morning and being in church. We had a good crowd, I thought, for the early service this morning, in spite of it pouring rain. And, and a good crowd for our 10 o'clock service. I am thankful that you're here with us this morning. Brother Mark was mentioned a moment ago about, hey, this is a brand new week. Now, I know some of you in here had, had a bad week last week. But if you had a bad week, I want to give you, I want to share with you some news this morning that's going to brighten this week up for you, and that's this. Yesterday, we moved to stage three, which now means the garden center at Walmart is now open. So you can go in through the garden center now. Isn't that a blessing? Somebody said if it wasn't for Walmart, uh, we didn't know you know what the Baptist people would do. In fact, uh, somebody said the other day, said, I figured out what the Lord is going to say when he comes back again. He's going to say this, attention Walmart shoppers. Because everybody goes to Walmart, don't they? I'm glad, you're, I'm glad you're here, and I trust the Lord to help us. How many of you brought your Bible? Will you hold up the Bible this morning? And join me, if you will, on page number 358, if you have an old Scofield Bible, 358, 2 Samuel, chapter number 3, 358, or the book of 2 Samuel, chapter 3. I want to read just uh, three or four verses here, and then we're going to go over to the book of 1 Kings as, uh, th- this morning. As uh, read a couple more verses, and i 'll come to those verses as we close uh, the message this morning. I want to invite you back this afternoon at five thirty and I trust the Lord will bless our afternoon service. You're always welcome, whether you're a member, not a member, whatever. You're welcome here at Woodland. we got a saying around here at Woodland, you're not just welcome, you're wanted. And we mean that. We do want you, we need you, and hope you'll pray about coming here and trust the Lord will just help us and bless us as we move forward in these days. All right, 2 Samuel chapter 3. It is 24 minutes after 10 o'clock, and I'm going to try to have you out of here around 11 o'clock this morning, okay? Let's read verse number 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 20, let's see, let's read verse number 23 this morning. Let me read three or four verses here. The Bible said this, When Joab and all the hosts that were with him were come, they told Joab, saying, Abner the son of Ner came to the king, and he sent him away, and he is gone in peace. Then Joab came to the king and said, What hast thou done? Behold, Abner came unto thee. Why is it that thou hast sent him away, and he is quite gone? Thou knowest, Abner, the son of Ner, that he came to deceive thee and to know thy going out and thy coming in and to know all that thou doest. And when Joab was come out from David, he sent messengers after Abner, which brought him again from the well of Sirah. But David knew it not. And when Abner was returned to Hebron, Joab took him aside in the gate to speak with him quietly and smote him there under the fifth rib that he died for the blood of Asahel, his brother. Now join me over in 1 Kings chapter number number 2. And I want to read two more verses here and then we're going to piece all this together this morning. If you'll just leave your Bibles open and follow me along. 1 Kings chapter 2 verse number 5. Let me tell you, David is now on his deathbed. He's about to die. His breathing is no doubt labored. Maybe his eyes are set. There's very little movement anymore, and David's about to die. But right before David dies, he sends for Solomon to come to his his bedside. And he has some things that he wants Solomon to do for him. And one of the things that David wanted Solomon to do is found in verse 5 and verse 6. And here's what he says to Solomon on his deathbed. Moreover, thou knowest also what Joab the son of... ...of Zeruiah did to me, and what he did to the two captains of the hosts of Israel, unto Abner the son of Ner, and unto Amasa the son of Jether, whom uh, he slew and shed the blood of war in peace, and put the blood of war upon his girdle that was upon his loins, and his shoes that were on his feet. Do therefore according to my wisdom, and let not his whore head. Go down to the grave in peace. Now, you, I know you're probably sitting there thinking, what in the world does all that have to do with us? But if you'll leave your Bibles open and just listen uh, this morning carefully, I think the Lord has something for us in this text. Let's pray. Father, I do pray you bless your word. Thank you for the good music, good singing, good fellowship. I pray that you'd bless your word now in a crowd of this size, no doubt. There may be some folks sitting here this morning that's unsaved. Or maybe some people that's sitting here has a great big question mark when it comes to the subject of eternity. And when it comes to the subject of their salvation, they're not sure that they're saved. They don't know for sure if they died today, they'd go to heaven. So I pray today the Spirit of God would use the message to speak to our hearts. And then during the invitation that the, the Spirit of God would draw people to come this morning to Jesus and be saved. Please bless your word. Speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, for quite a while, and we've been making our way through the life of the greatest king, earthly king, that Israel ever had. And, of course, I'm speaking about a king by the name of David. Under King David's leadership, the nation of Israel became the world superpower of that day. David was without doubt the most powerful man upon the earth, ruling the most powerful nation on the earth. David had enlarged the coast of of Israel ten times its original size. Uh, After he became king of the nation. Through his wars and through his conquest, David had stretched the boundaries of the nation of Israel from 6,000 miles to 60,000 square miles. David was without doubt a great military leader and he possessed a great military mind. But what we have been more interested in in this series of sermons is the people that David gathered around him. As I've often said through this series, David must have had. Had a magnetic personality. Because wheresoever David went, and whatsoever the situation of his life was, he was always surrounded by others. David was a people person. He made others feel good. He made others feel like they were wanted and appreciated. And everybody wants to be wanted and everybody wants to be appreciated no matter who they are. You know, David must have had a great spirit about him because others. We're attracted to him. You know, people that have a negative spirit, a sour, cynical kind of a spirit or attitude, folks don't want to be around people like that. But you've got a person here that's got a good personality that's always positive and upbeat and encouraging. I tell you, people are drawn to that, especially in our day. You know, being around David, even in his toughest times, must have been somewhat like being near an open window with a cool breeze blowing through on a very hot and humid, day and we've been really focusing in on the people that stepped into and out of the life of King David. You see, within the story of David are the stories of the lives of so many other people. And their stories somehow became intertwined or intermingled with the story of David. And we've been considering many of the stories of those people's lives. This morning we come to one of the more familiar people of David's life, and that is this man by the name, of Joab Joab now again maybe not a more popular person in our Bible but Joab was certainly a prominent person in the story of the life of David and I want to say right up front that I'm not real sure that I'll do a good job of conveying his whole story but out of all the stories that we find that are intermingled in the story of David's life Joab's story has to be one of the more tragic stories of those kind of people. Because many people refer to Joab as this right here. Joab was the Judas of the Old Testament. Now, those of us that are familiar with the Bible know that in the New Testament, we have the tragic story of a man by the name of Judas, one of the Lord's disciples, one of those men that were at the side of Jesus, but he never got on the side of Jesus. And in our text this morning, talking about this man by the name of Joab, we see a man who spent his whole life serving David but he never truly loved David. You see, Joab spent his whole life fighting for David. Joab spent his whole life working for David. Joab spent his whole life looking up to David only to receive at the end of his life the judgment of of David. Remember that verse I just read to you a moment ago where he told Solomon, his son, let not his whore head. That simply means his white-haired head. Don't you let his white-haired head go to the grave in peace. Solomon, I want you to execute my wrath upon Joab. And Joab did uh, and Solomon did that very thing. Can I tell you that the story of Joab is just one of the, another one of those warnings that we find throughout the Word of God cautioning us and admonishing us not to be deceived when it comes to our relationship with the Lord Jesus. Don't be deceived when it comes to the subject of salvation. Now, if you're wondering who this man Joab was, let me tell you that Joab was the commander-in-chief of the armies of King David. He won that right on a previous occasion when David wanted to take a city that the Jebusites possessed. The city is the city of Jerusalem. David wanted that city. He wanted to conquer that city. The only problem about that city was the Jebusites had that city and they made it a stronghold. They fortified the city of Jerusalem. Many had tried and many failed to conquer the city of Jerusalem. The Jebusites even boasted that the city was so impregnable, it was so undefeatable, that the blind and the lame people could defend their city. When David became king, David said this. He said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. Anybody standing here today that can go up there and conquer the city of Jerusalem, run those Jebusites out, break that stronghold, I'm going to make him the captain of my army. And without even flinching, Joab, gathered a few men together and attacked the city of Jerusalem and eventually conquered it. And by so doing, he became the captain, the commander of David's armies. Let me read it to you. Look at this verse right here. The Bible said in David said, Whosoever smiteth the Jebusites first shall be chief and captain. So Joab the son of Zeruiah. Now remember that he was the son of... Of Zeriah went up first and was chief. So he became the captain of David's armies. Can I tell you this? There's no doubt, there's no doubt that Joab was a courageous man. There's no doubt that Joab was a competent leader. But his problem was not with his courage, and his problem was not with his competency. His problem was his character. In fact, can I tell you this? Here's what his real problem was. Joab's real problem was he wasn't on the inside what he pretended to be on the outside. He was not on the inside what he pretended to be on the outside. And he had everybody fooled. Nobody thought otherwise when it came to Joab. You ask anybody in the land of Israel during the days of David who was david 's most loyal soldier. You ask anybody in the land of Israel in david 's day who was his most loyal supporter. You ask anybody in Israel who was david 's right hand man and hands down the answer you would have got every time was a man by the name of Joab, but Joab wasn 't on the inside what he pretended to be on the outside and I just wonder who 's sitting right right here in this service this morning, and you're not on the inside what you say you are on the outside. You're not on the inside what you pretend to be on the outside the outside. Everybody in this room knows people like that. You work, you rub shoulders with people every day. You work with down on your job at the factory or at the office or wherever it is. You rub shoulders every day with people who say they love the Lord but their mouth is full of profanity and they live a life that evidences that what they say they are on the outside doesn't match up with what they are on the inside. Oh, I wonder who sits right here in this service today, and God's brought you this way so that one more time he might convict you and give you an opportunity to change the rest of your life this morning. I want to talk about this man by the name of Joab. i want to tell you his story if I can, and I want to do so by just using two statements this morning, but don't get excited. I got 20 t- sub points under both statements. So we'll be out of here by 1245, I promise you. I'm kidding. I want to say, first of all, I want to talk a little bit about this, how Joab behaved himself. How Joab behaved himself. I said a moment ago, when you read through the story of David and, and Joab, you'll find Joab portraying himself to be very loyal to King David. In fact, this loyalty, really, this behavior of Joab toward David, actually, it came naturally. I asked you a moment ago to remember that he was the son of Zeruiah. Now, who was Zeruiah? Well, Zeruiah was a woman, and she just so happened to be the sister of King David. David had, eight, had seven other brothers, and he had two or three sisters, and one of his sisters' name. Was Zariah. Now, if you're good with stuff like that, then of course, if David and Zariah are brother and sister, and Joab is the son of Zariah, then we know that automatically makes David Joab's uncle. So David was not only, he was not only Joab's leader, he was also his uncle. Now, can you just imagine what it was like growing up in the home of Zariah? Can you imagine the stories that she must have told that boy about? his uncle David. Can you just imagine, I think she probably, I think she was probably there the day that David was anointed to be king over the nation of Israel. She witnesses, maybe she was standing in the tent door that day. Maybe she was out there in the fields when the prophet Samuel came to her daddy Jesse's house that day. Maybe she overheard the conversation that the prophet had with her daddy when he said, the Lord has sent me down here to anoint one of your boys to be the next king of the nation of Israel. God has sent Saul all aside and for some reason Jesse he sent me to your house he said among one of your sons I'll find the next king of the nation of Israel she may have even been looking out the tent door as one by one the sons of Jesse passed before the prophet Samuel that day and here they come there's seven of those boys not counting David seven of them and one by one they came before the prophet I can see Eliab was the first one boy what a man Eliab was what a handsome man he was! And no doubt, when Samuel saw him, he started screwing the top off the bottle. Boy, he's getting ready to slosh him with that anointing oil. And God said, "Put the cap back on. That's not the one." And the next one, Abinadab, he was a muscular man. I mean, he had muscles on top of it. Probably looked like me. I'm, I'm so you kind of picture me and get a picture Shut up. Uh, what Abinadab must have looked like? He was a muscular man. I can see old Samuel screw the top off. God said, "Put the top back on. That's not the one." And the next one was Shammah, a great soldier in the armies of Israel. And, and, and all seven of those boys passed by and not a one of them was the one that God had chosen to be the next king of the nation of Israel. And then there stood Zeruiah. She was looking out at it, all that. She heard the prophet say, Is, uh, do you have any more boys? And, and Jesse said, well, I got one more. He's a little red headed, freckle faced boy, just a teenager. He's out there watching machine. Uh, Samuel said, go fetch him. He was from southern in Israel. He said, "Go fetch him. We're not going to sit down until the king comes." Amen. Let's go sit down till the king comes. And the Bible said, "Here comes old Je- here comes David." And when when Samuel saw him, God said, "That's him." And he poured the anointing oil on little little boy David. Can you just imagine? Zeruiah probably fought to herself, you know something, I fuss and fight with him all the time. I can't get along with that boy. He's such a nuisance, but lo and behold, he's going to be the next king of the nation of Israel. Her brother is. And then one day something happens. Zeruiah gets married. And wasn't long after she got married till she started craving mustard-coated sardines watermelon, chocolate milk, and mayonnaise and peanut butter sandwiches in the middle of the night. She's going to have a baby. And it didn't long until Joab was born. Now, she got she's going to have three boys, but Joab was her firstborn. And you can only imagine the stories that Zeruiah must have told Joab about his uncle, David. I can just see him as she raised those boys up. She taught them from birth about David. I mean, from just a baby, Joab heard his mama talk about how that David was God's chosen, how that David was God's anointed. In fact, I put this down. I think she probably taught them. I'm talking about Joab. She probably taught him two fundamental things about David. First of all, I think she probably taught him that David was the Savior. That's right. She probably told him the story about how that David went down to the Valley of Elah and fought with Goliath, and by so doing, he saved the entire nation of Israel. I can see her tell that little, Joab, now sit up. Mama's going to tell you a story today about David and Goliath. Sit up. You want to hear this. This is your Uncle Dave. I love to tell my grandkids those stories, and I can just see Joab as she tells him that story. I mean, all the men of Israel were scared to death. They were on the other side of the valley. The Philistines were on the other side of the valley. Out come this big old giant over 10 foot tall. He's cussing God, throwing work, work, rocks and kicking dirt. Everybody over here scared to death. And there goes my little brother down into that valley, the valley of darkness, death and despair to fight with that big old giant. I can see Joab's eyes about bug out of his head. And she said, when when the dust had settled and the smoke had cleared, my little brother in one hand had the head of Goliath on the other hand he had the sword of Goliath and he looked over at the men of Israel and said hey y'all look at this he said God had gave a victory he was the savior of the land of Israel then I probably think she probably taught him that David was not only the savior but David was also the sovereign of Israel I think she probably taught them boys. Now, boys, let me tell you something else about you, uncle. Joab's special. Now, you sit up. You're the oldest. You listen to this. I was there the day that David became anointed king over the nation of Israel. And, Joab, I got to tell you something. The future of this nation is with David. Now, Joab, you do well. To honor David. Joab, you do well to obey David. Joab, you do well to live for David. Joab, you do well to be loyal to David. The future is David. You need to follow David. She told him all that. You know, I thank God I was brought up in a home with a mama and a daddy who told me about the Savior. I'm glad they told me one day that Jesus just wasn't a Savior. He was not just a good Savior. He was not even the best Savior. I'm glad I had a mama and a daddy who told me that Jesus was the only Savior. There's not another way into heaven other than through Jesus Christ. He's the way, the truth, and the life. You hear me and hear me well. There's not a Buddhist way and a Baptist way. There's not a Presbyterian way and a Pentecostal way. There's not a Mormon way and a Methodist way. There's only one way to get into heaven and it is through Jesus. He's the only way. If you don't have him, you ain't going. I'm glad I had a mom and a daddy that taught me about the Savior. And I'm glad I had a mom and daddy who taught me that one day Jesus was going to come back and was going to rule and reign here upon this earth. And I'm glad I had a mom and daddy that told me to follow him. To love him to worship him, to obey him, to be loyal to him. I'm glad I had that. You know indeed, privileged indeed is the person who has a mama and a daddy who love Jesus and exalt Jesus and talk about Jesus inside of their home. You hear me and hear me well. You're privileged young person. If you got a mama and a daddy who loves Jesus, thank God that you weren't brought up in a drunkard's home, in a dope addict's home, in a home of an immoral person. Thank God for a mama and a daddy who point their children to Jesus. But there's two dangers with that. Two dangers with that. See if you don't agree with me. Being brought up in a home like that, number one, there's the danger. There's the danger of some who might refuse it. What I mean by that is, you know, what the devil does is try to convince a lot of children that are brought up in homes like Zuriah who are constantly talking about David, we talk about Jesus, and they're constantly hearing about Jesus, they grow to resent that just a little bit. They feel like that they've been cheated out a little bit on what the world has to offer. They feel like they've been overly protected. They feel like they've been sheltered just a little bit. Therefore, when they reach of age, the first thing that they do is they cast all that teaching aside And they head out into a world only to find that all that glitters is not gold. Only to find that the devil may go fishing with attractive bait, but there's always a hook in it. It is by no accident that we talk about people who get hooked on drugs. We talk about people who get hooked on alcohol. They get hooked on pornography. Hey, it's no accident we use that word because you hear me and hear me well. The devil may go attracted, go fishing with attracted bait. He may try to convince you that you've lived a sheltered life. You've been protected by a mom and a daddy who's trying to just watch over you and point you to Jesus. But I'm here to tell you, friend, I didn't have to stick my head in a garbage can to find out if I like the smell of trash. I didn't have to stick my finger in an electrical socket to find out if I like the feel of electricity. I didn't have to drink a cup of coffee to find out if I liked the taste of something bitter. I thank God I had a mama and a daddy who saved me from a lot of heartaches and trouble in life by pointing me to Jesus. Every one of you brat kids, bless your heart. You think you've been sheltered and protected. You ought to be forced to go live six months in a drug addict's home. You ought to be forced to go live six months in a drunkard's home. You don't know where your next meal, bless your heart. You've been sheltered. you got the finest shoes and a soft bed and a cupboard of food and a car to ride in and a love in your house. You've been sheltered, bless your heart. I thank God. I praise God. Thank God for a mom and a daddy who kept me from messing my life up. Some people refuse it. Then some people confuse it. So watch this. They're brought up in a home who says honor Jesus, obey Jesus, follow Jesus, serve Jesus, worship Jesus. So they're brought up in that home. And sure enough, they honor him. They obey him, they serve him, they worship him. The only problem is they've never accepted him. Just like Joab, he heard it, he knew it, he even did it. But he never loved David. You know, the one thing about our church families is we got folks sitting in this church this morning, you were brought up at one. The first trip you made out of the house after you were born and brought home from the hospital, you were brought to the house of God. Your mama's daddy's been in this church 50, 60, 70 years, and for 50, 60 years of your life, this is all you've known. But you've saw saw the services for the Spirit of God move you saw Bruce Whittington smack on the wall. You saw Jimmy Spears come out of the balcony. You saw Jimmy, Jimmy, Jimmy Jones run up down the aisles on the winning side. You've seen people get saved. You've heard the preaching. You've saw the Spirit of God move. You've come, you've come. You may be sitting here this morning, but the question is, have you ever, ever accepted Jesus as your Savior? Watch this. The real problem, look at this. The bottom line is not whether your parents' religion is your religion. It's not where your parents' church is your church. The bottom line is whether your parents' Redeemer is your Redeemer. God don't have any grandchildren, friend. You can't ride the coattails of a godly mom or a daddy or a grandma or a grandpa into the, into the gates of, of, of heaven. You can't get there that way. It's got to be a personal relationship, to your own self. And sure, you may, you may serve him. You may honor him. You may obey him. You know, you know, you know all the words to the songs. You know the stories of the Bible. You know the right places to say amen. The only problem is you've never accepted him. Joab wasn't on the inside what he pretended to be on the outside. He had never, ever accepted David. But I'm done now. I'm done. Not only do I want to talk about how Joab behaved himself, but I want to, number two, talk about how Joab betrayed himself. You see, as we move through his story There are three different occasions where what he was on the inside manifested itself on the outside. I told you a moment ago he just pretended. He was the great pretender. And that's more than just an Elvis Presley song that Brother Brian wants the congregation to sing from time to time. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Our churches are sitting full of great pretenders not on the inside what you pretend to be on the outside. There are three occasions when what he really was came to the surface. And incidentally, I didn't do this. The Bible did. There are three three murders in the life of Joab. And they all begin with the the, the, the men that were killed. Begins, their names begin with the letter A. I didn't do what the Holy Spirit did. But there's Abner, there's Absalom, and there's Adonijah. Joab had a hand in the lives of all three of these men. David had a will concerning these men. David had had a plan for these three men. Joab got involved in it and destroyed it. Listen to me. First of all, there's Abner. Abner, if you remember from a couple of weeks ago, I told you he fought David all of his life. He convinced others to to follow him as he fought against King David. But right at the end of his life, he saw that he was fighting a battle that he couldn't win. Aren't you so glad you finally saw that you were fighting a battle that you couldn't afford to win? And he finally said, man, the future is David. I have no future following the king that I'm following. By the way, there's no future in following the devil. There's no future in following the devil. What is the future of somebody who follows the devil, a, a, a Christless eternity separated from ever, forever, from the presence of God in a place called hell? that is the future of a of a person who follows the devil oh abner said man i 've got to change kings and he went to David and remember that back in chapter three of Second Samuel, The Bible said that he made peace with David. What did Abner do? Abner went and found. Uh, Joab went and found Abner. And the Bible said that he said, he said, uh, he said, Abner, come here just a minute. I'm gonna to talk to you just a minute. And Abner went over where he was. Joab must have probably grabbed him around the neck, pulled a sheath out from his, a knife out from his sheath, and underneath the fifth rib, killed him. David had just forgiven him. David had just brought Abner into his kingdom. What did Joab do? Plunged a dagger under his fifth rib and killed him. He disregarded the mind of David. When it came to Absalom, listen, I'm almost done. When it came to Absalom, he distressed the heart of David. You remember Absalom was David's son and he rebelled against David? He treated his daddy horrible. I mean, if there was any, ever a child that broke his daddy's heart, it was Absalom. Boy, Absalom wounded the heart of David. He grieved the heart of David bad. But right before he ran him off the throne, almost killed him. Would have killed him if he could have found him. Would have killed his own daddy. And then came that big battle between David's armies and Absalom's armies. And right before the battle broke out, David looked at Joab and he said this. He said, the king commanded Joab saying, deal gently for my sake with the young man, even with Absalom. Isn't it just like David to want to take somebody that's done him so bad and give him another chance? Aren't you glad we serve a Savior? Though we may have done him so bad, treated him so horribly, aren't you glad we got a Savior that says, deal gently? with that one for my sake. He may have done me wrong. He may have hurt me bad. But I sure do love him. Deal gently. Joab, hands off. Hands off Absalom. What did Absalom do? Look at this verse. The Bible said, Then said Joab, I may not tarry thus with thee. And he took three darts in his hand and thrust them through the heart of Absalom. Took three daggers. Poof. Poof into the heart of Absalom while he was hanging in the oak tree and killed him. He distressed the heart of David. And then what about Adonijah? David had already made clear that Solomon was to be the next king of the nation of Israel. What did Joab do? He totally, totally disobeyed the will of David and went and got Adonijah and wanted to make him king of the nation. Read about it, 1 Kings chapter 1. I said all I'd say is, Joab revealed by his rebellion against David what he really was on the inside. Can I tell you what the real litmus test is of being a true believer? There's something that's on the inside that wants to do the will of God for your life. Amen. God's calling somebody over here right now. That's God calling. Pick it up and say hello. Listen, look at this verse right here. 1 John chapter 2 says this. He that abideth in him ought himself also to walk even as he walked. Can I, Can I? let me come down here and I won't spit on y'all. But I got to tell you how the story ended and we're done. Solomon, I'm about to die. But don't you let Joab live. He spent his whole life, he spent his whole life serving David and right at the end of his life he got the wrath of David. So what happened? Well, Solomon calls one of his soldiers his name is ben and he says, "Listen. I want you to go find Joab. And when you find him, I want you to kill him. That's right. Just kill that rascal." ben goes out and guess where he finds Joab? He finds him over to church at the house of God. In fact, the Bible said, in fact the Bible said that old Joab has caught hold of the horns of the altar. You read it. It's in 1 Kings chapter 2. That he caught hold of the horns of the altar. Remember outside of that tabernacle, there was a brazen altar there that had four horns coming up out of it. And they attached the sacrifice to that horn so it wouldn't fall off the fire. And old Joab went in there and he grabbed a hold of them horns of the altar. and He was hanging on for dear life. And he was saying, Oh God, oh God, have mercy, have mercy, have mercy. Ben and I saw that, went back to Solomon and said, you're not going to believe this. He's over at the house of God. I can't kill him in church, Solomon said. I give you my permission. Go over and kill him at church. And Ben and I went over there, took his sword, and chopped off the head of old Joab right there in the house of God. You know why? I'll tell you why. He pretended to be something on the outside that he wasn't on the inside. And I wonder who I'm preaching to this morning. God knows, and you know, that you pretend to be something on the outside, that you're a far cry from on the inside, on the outside. You're a far cry from it on the inside. All you got is a mom and a daddy who taught you to serve the Savior, taught you to honor him and obey him. You were brought up in that home, and that's all you've done, but you've never truly accepted, I'm here to tell you, if you're gonna to get to heaven you got to know Jesus as your Savior. What about it, friend? Joab, the Judas of the Old Testament. Let's pray. Father, I ask you this morning...